Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast. Happy, happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope y'all are having an amazing, fantabulous Tuesday. May is coming down the home stretch, people. We are getting not only closer to the summer, the end of school, the end of whatever it is that you may be doing, but we are also inching ever so closer to that NBA playoff dynamite in a year where we don't know jack shit about what's going to happen in the NBA. And it's bringing some content, ladies and gentlemen. So buckle up and get ready for all kinds of the crazy fun that we are about to have over these next few weeks. And it starts tonight. Or if you're listening to this on a different day, it has started and you can catch up on all the action every single night, unless some teams win a series, all the way up until the final champion is crowned in July. And let's get right into the kickoff today, because if you read the episode of this title, wait, the title of this episode, wow, that is a bad mistake to make off the bat. The episode of this title, if you listen to the episode of this title, then you saw that we are talking play-in tournament for the first time in the history of the NBA and also the first time in the history of this podcast, which, fun fact, we never got to do an NBA playoffs until last September when the NBA bubble became a thing. So that was a first. Now we get a first in the play-in tournament, a new format designed for sponsorship by the NBA, but also piqued a lot of interest over the last week of the NBA season, hence the fact that we continued to play this amazing music all week. And the fact that we all got to end up with our amazing, fantabulous playing round that everyone was hoping for. The Pacers are going to play the Hornets. No, I'm kidding. But uh, let me just say right now, I'm going to go Charles Barkley on this one. If you're listening to this prior to 6.30 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday, do not watch Pacers and Hornets. I will not be watching Pacers and Hornets. Nate Bjorkren's going to get fired by the Pacers. The Pacers are kind of boring. They were boring years ago when they kept getting bounced out by sweep in the first round and only scored 67 points in a game against the Boston Celtics. That's a fun thing you can go look back at. It happened during a football Sunday, so it's something that's not well forgotten. The Pacers scored 67 points in a playoff game. So that happened to the Pacers when they got swept out by Boston. They got swept out by the Heat last year in the bubble and in a game they had no business being in. They've got no TJ Warren left. Sabonis is carrying their ass. And the Hornets are only exciting because they have LaMelo Ball and they might not even have Gordon Hayward in that game. So at least you can get your fix of Scary Terry and Jalen McDaniels of S. 
D S U S D S U Aztecs fight who might actually end up starting for Charlotte if Gordon Hayward doesn't play. And who would have thunk it that Jalen McDaniels averaging six points a game would be starting a playoff game for the Charlotte Hornets and representing San Diego State. If only San Diego State had another player starting in a playoff game coming up like, you know, Kawhi Leonard. Anyways, don't watch Pacers and Hornets. I'm telling you right now. There's your two-minute preview of Pacers and Hornets. It's going to be a terrible game. The Hornets are probably going to win. They're probably going to beat the Celtics in the eighth seed game, and they're probably going to get swept by the Philadelphia 76ers. Do not watch that shitty basketball game. You can do better things with your time. What you can be preparing for is for that 6 p.m. Celtics-Wizards game on TNT that you should absolutely be watching. Anyways, I digress. Let's talk about the thing that everyone cares about. And for some reason, I have gone five minutes. Well, not quite five minutes. I guess it would be about, no, five minutes and seven seconds. We have gone five minutes and seven seconds here on the Take It Easy podcast without mentioning LeBron James or Stephen Curry. And I feel like I have not done my job here as a podcasting host and doing an NBA play-in preview without talking about LeBron James and Steph Curry, not even the Lakers as a whole. We'll get to some Anthony Davis and some X's and O's if you want it. But to be honest, this is the thing I always say with basketball is that if you want the X's and O's talk, I'm probably not the best person you should go to on it. A lot of the things I know about basketball are taken from other places in terms of learning basketball information. Uh, I get it from a lot of other sources. Amin Al-Hassan being one of them. I was listening to him talk about Vukovic and the Oklahoma City Thunder and why Jokic is the MVP. A lot of the a lot of the things I talk about are not necessarily regurgitated, but they put me on a path towards learning interesting things. Um, one of those interesting things is revolving around the topic of today's episode, which is the NBA play-in round and it allows me to talk a little bit more about Dylan Brooks, even though I did watch that Grizzlies and Warriors game. And for any of you tuning in from Instagram, thank you for stopping into that live stream that we did for the uh, Grizzlies and Warriors game on Sunday. If you want future live streams, make sure to follow us at comical sports memes and turn on those notifications. If you want to join our our future live streams or check out our YouTube, we're going to start doing YouTube live streams, maybe even during the Lakers Warriors game on Wednesday. That's enough shameless plugging. Anyways, back to the original point that I was talking about. We are in a transition period in the NBA. And every generation lasts about five years. These are the fundamental principles by which you should hammer into your head. So if you're going to take your Sam Hinkie three things away from this 45-minute podcast, remember we are in a transition period in the NBA and generations last every five years in the NBA. What we are seeing from the past or from this current iteration, so from 2020 to about 2025, we're in that transition period right now. What we saw in the past, from about 2015 to 2019, and you can throw 2020 in the mix there too, what we saw from 2015 to 2019 was the transition from the old guard of the NBA to the new guard of the NBA establishing itself and then dominating the sport for a good, let's say, four to five year run. Basically 2016 to 2017 to 18 to 19, and then the transition period begins again. 
Think about all of the basketball stars that you associate with the last five years of NBA basketball and people we still associate as some of the best basketball players in the world. Steph Curry, LeBron James, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant. These are players who, and Kawhi Leonard's in late in that generation, but because Kawhi Leonard has knee problems, we'll throw him into that generation. These are players who have been the faces of this generation and are now exiting their primes. Some other names we could throw in the mix are Kyrie Irving, Damian Lillard, Chris Paul, future Hall of Famers who all came of age in the early 2010s, by 2015 had taken the reins from the old guard of, of uh, sorry, LeBron James was part of that guard coming in, Dirk Nowitzki, uh, Tim Duncan, Kobe Bryant, Kevin Garnett. The old guard transitioned out, the new guard came of age during that early 2010s, and then dominated the late 2010s. And then they come to define a decade, which we kind of call generations, and it's a fair assessment, but I think generations last every five years. So think about the transition period they went through. 2011, LeBron, Kevin Durant, they had to establish themselves little by little. And for LeBron, the growing pains, and Dwayne Wade can be thrown in that mix too. Now, he's obviously now retired, so he was kind of in the old guard. But even though him and LeBron were the same draft class, I think Dwayne Wade was like three years older than LeBron when he was drafted. And Chris Bosh is going in the Hall of Fame next year, which is kind of jarring to me. But you had Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, Boston Celtics. You had the Dallas Mavericks and Dirk Nowitzki beat LeBron in the finals in 2011 seven-game series in 2012 with the Celtics that LeBron won. They had to kind of establish the new guard from the old guard, and it came in 2012 too. Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker in the Spurs, 2012. People don't remember that series, but Oklahoma City had 23-year-old Kevin Durant, 22-year-old Russell Westbrook, and 21-year-old James Harden, and they beat the San Antonio Spurs in six games to go to the 2012 NBA Finals. It was unheard of at the time, but that's the transition period. And then the growing pains kept coming. 2013, LeBron and D-Wade win the championship, but if it weren't for the bad rebounding and a Ray Allen shot, Tim Duncan would have been the 2013 champion. 2014, Tim Duncan, with the help of Kawhi Leonard, who he himself is establishing his own precedent and his own reign, win the NBA championship. And Kawhi Leonard is always... These cases are interesting. We'll talk about this with LeBron and Anthony Davis a little bit. But it's interesting when you have an old guard guy and a new guard guy on the same team. Because then it creates this juicy, enticing detail and story where it's like, well, who really deserves the credit? And in 2014, they gave Kawhi Leonard the finals MVP, but it very easily could have been Tim Duncan. So you have that transition period. And then by 2015, Steph Curry establishes himself. The Warriors go to the finals. LeBron's joined the Cavs and he's now entering his prime. I put prime in air quotes there because LeBron is still technically in his prime, his late prime. He's 36. He's aging differently than every athlete in the world, which is kind of why we universally regard him as the best athlete in the world. Um, 2015, 2016, you start to see 
Kobe's gone. Tim Duncan's gone. The Spurs are no longer relevant. Um, the Clippers have started to establish themselves. James Harden finished second in the MVP in 2015 and then had that weird Kardashian season in 2016. Russell Westbrook won a scoring title in 2015. So you're starting to see these guys establish themselves as the new guard. And 2015-2016, that's the transition period. It's LeBron and Steph transitioning. These are all the new generation. Then by 2017, Kevin Durant joins Steph, and it's their league now. It's Durant's league. It's Curry's league. LeBron's league. There's no question about it. Like, we're not even debating it anymore. There's no one left to take the mantle. That All the old guard has aged out of the sport. They're all out of their primes. Most of them retired or soon to be retired. And here's where the new guard comes in after 2019 when you have these duels between KD and LeBron, KD and LeBron, Steph and LeBron. Then you have Kawhi Leonard step in. Then you have the Warriors dueling with Houston in those epic battles. Then you have Damian Lillard and Russell Westbrook to a lesser extent, but also they're lesser players. No slight to them, but they're just, they're not LeBron. They're not KD. They're not Steph. They're not James Harden. They're not Kawhi Leonard. And men, speaking of Kawhi Leonard, so then you had duels 2017-2018. Uh, you had Warriors, KD, and Steph. Cavs, LeBron, James, and Kyrie was establishing himself, but Kyrie gets thrown into that generation because of his knee injuries as well. So you have LeBron and Kyrie, KD and Steph. You have, well, Kevin Love also was in that mix there. You've got the Rockets trying to take down the Warriors, and they're the best competition for two seasons to top, to stop the Warriors from winning a championship. Warriors win a championship both years. Then you have Kawhi Leonard versus KD as LeBron takes a backseat. And then 2020 comes around. And now we're in a transition phase. The I mean, it's never been this clear cut that a transition phase or like an end of a generation. As those players all start exiting their primes, because all those guys are getting older now. The average prime of an NBA player is like 27 to 32. That's like the best physical years of the body. And LeBron James is, again, always an anomaly. But all of these guys are now over 30. I think Sands Kyrie. I think Kyrie's 29. But other than Kyrie, all of those guys are in their late primes or exiting their primes. James Harden, 32. Kevin Durant, I believe, is 33. LeBron, 36. Steph, 32, soon to be 33. All these guys are in their late 30s now. I think Kawhi is exactly 30 now. But again, Kawhi gets kind of lumped in there because of his knee injuries. His chronic knee injuries are going to shorten his uh, chance to be a LeBron and have the next five years of dominance. But Kawhi is kind of a tweener. So we'll call Kawhi a tweener in there. And then you start to see the next generation. Giannis wins an MVP. Anthony Davis wins a championship and hits the crazy buzzer beater over Nikola Jokic. He's the new generation. Giannis is the new generation. Joel Embiid, new generation. Anthony Davis, Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler. All these guys, new generation guys, entering their prime as these other guys start to exit their prime. And it happened very quickly, and it was something that I didn't realize without the level of perspective. And the thing that turned me on to it, I was talking about Amin Hassan earlier, again, phrasing on that before, actually, turned me on to it. What turned me on, and what turns me on, is talking about wind shares. Because 
Nikola Jokic was first in the league in win shares, and he was above 0.3 for a while. He ended up at 0.29, so he didn't end up with the Wilt, LeBron, MJ crazy stat we were talking about that guarantees him the MVP. Jokic was one in win shares, which is the the one statistic that most resembles the eye test because 16 of the last 19 MVPs were first in the league in win shares, and Jokic will make it 17 out of 20 when he gets league MVP. Second was Joel Embiid. Third, Jimmy Butler. But he didn't play as many games this year. But we don't think about that until we were forced to think about it last year, that Jimmy Butler is firmly entrenched in his prime. By the way, for those who want to know, fourth was Giannis, fifth was Rudy Gobert. He's presently in this generation. Sixth was Kawhi, and he's the tweener. So the top six in win shares are all guys entering their prime, which of course, those are the best basketball players in the world are the people with younger, fresher legs who are entering their best basketball because everyone else is going downhill. As great as LeBron James is, everyone's going down. Kevin Durant's going down. Kawhi Leonard's going down. Steph Curry, as great as his production is, his efficiency ratings are way down. All of the NBA is going through a transition. But of course, we kind of recognize this. But then we look at the transition period last year where much like the 2013 San Antonio or 2014 and 13 San Antonio Spurs and much like the LeBron James Heat, we've got a champion of tweeners. We've got LeBron and AD. LeBron, the old exiting his prime. Anthony Davis, young guy, establishing himself in the new generation. Go back to the LeBron Heat teams. LeBron's the young up-and-comer. Dwayne Wade's the guy in his prime. And because Dwayne Wade is three years older than LeBron and because his knees got shot, Dwayne Wade was exiting his prime. As weird as it seems, they were the same draft class. But as LeBron was entering his prime, Dwayne Wade was exiting his prime. Now LeBron's the old guy exiting his prime. And Anthony Davis is entering his prime. We've got the tweeners winning the championship in 2020. Paul George, firmly entrenched in his prime, along with Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard's a tweener. Paul George is on the back end of his prime, but also finished third in the MVP two years ago. So Paul George and Kawhi are both tweeners at this point, but Paul George is probably closer to the back end because it feels like Paul George has had like three different careers (laughs) by the age of 31, I think Paul George is. He's either 30 or 31. I don't remember exactly. Maybe, Maybe Paul George is still in his 20s. But anyways, the point to that being, look at the teams in the matchups in the playoffs this year. And I can go through the top right now. You've got number one seed in the West, Donovan Mitchell. He's in the even younger generation, to be honest. Like Jason Tatum and Donovan Mitchell are like, their time will come. They're in the even younger generation at this point. Uh, Devin Booker, he's in that generation with Giannis and Embiid. It's like a five-year span from like 2012 to like 2016 drafts. That's who we're talking about. It's like this is all of them entering their prime just because of their age. They're all 26, 27, 28, uh, 25. Uh, in the case of Tatum, 23. So he's an even younger generation. Um, I threw him in there, but let's throw Devin Booker in there because Devin Booker is 24, 25. He's definitely right in the mix there. Giannis, 25, 26 all establishing themselves into their primes over the next few seasons. So you've got Giannis and the Bucks in the East. You've got Joel Embiid, 
That's the new guard. Brooklyn is just an ensemble of the old guard guys. And there, other than this Lakers-Warriors play-in, there is no more telling point of just where the NBA stands than the fact that Brooklyn has a team of three of two of the four great stars of the last five years and another one who's right, like one of the players that we first mentioned when we talk about that generation. I think I listed Kyrie like seventh or eighth. And people are like, yeah, they might win the championship. They might not. But like, we like this young guy, Giannis. We like this young guy, Embiid. We like this young guy, Kawhi Leonard, even though he's a tweener. Again, not all these things work perfectly. Jason Tatum's going to end up being a tweener at some point. He's going to be between the the Giannis generation and, you know, the Zion generation. He's going to be somewhere in between there. But here it's all based on draft classes and ages of when you age into your prime. And draft class is the best symbol to do it because we don't always know what the age of all these guys are, but we always know, at least if you follow basketball, you almost always know what draft class those guys came out of. Devin Booker, 2015, Giannis, 2013, Jokic, 2014, Embiid, 2014, Jimmy Butler, 2012. These guys are all the new guard coming in. And look at the playoffs rankings right now. So you have team led by new guard, Sixers, one seed in the East, Brooklyn, old guard, three old guard guys exiting their prime. Still great, still can win a championship because they're still in their prime, just on the back end of it they're not getting their best days are behind them for Kevin Durant James Harden Kyrie Irving best days are behind them Milwaukee Bucks up and up Giannis Antetokounmpo is your star he is the face of this generation coming up he's the the guy who's like that is a threat and he's already the best basketball player in the world no ifs ands or buts about it and those are the only teams in the east that can win it but we can go down the list to who are the next ones on the list Jimmy Butler New guard, Trey Young, he's in the even younger generation with Jason Tatum, where they're like trying to establish themselves right now. So you can see where that generation's starting to form. The the Trey Young, Luka Doncic, Zion Williamson generation is starting to take form at the bottoms of these play-in rounds. But then you could go to Russell Westbrook, old guard, as he plays this play-in game against the Celtics, Jason Tatum. He's going to be a tweener in these two. And Jalen Brown, same thing. He's going to be a tweener. Then we go to the West. Donovan Mitchell's going to be a tweener. And Rudy Gobert is firmly entrenched in this generation, 2013 NBA draft. So they're the new guard. Devin Booker, new guard with Chris Paul helping him out. Chris Paul's just like old Yoda at this point. Like Chris Paul's like had his best season ever this year, which is kind of weird. But Chris Paul's also like 38 years old. So he's just kind of like, he's just Yoda pulling up to be like, I let me help this young dude out real quick. Let me just be stone cold mercenary. Just... <laughs> I'm not in either generation. I'm just hanging on and playing awesome basketball. So Devin Booker, face of that team, younger generation. Chris Paul's just a weird anomaly because he doesn't fit in any generation at this point. Three seed, Denver Nuggets. MVP of the league, Jokic. New generation. Four seed, Kawhi, Paul George, both tweeners. Technically playing the best basketball of their lives, but also have having some injuries plaguing them that are going to probably shorten their primes or at least prevent them from being 34 and balling like Kevin Durant. Fifth seed, Mavericks, babies. Sixth seed, Portland, old guard. And then seven and eight, Lakers, Warriors. 
the two most recognizable, biggest names, with all due respect to Kevin Durant, the two biggest, most recognizable names of a generation are now dueling, not only to knock each other out, but to kind of put what it feels like one of the final nails in the coffin of previous generations. Not that LeBron won't be back, but this is where the interesting tweener thing happens. When does this become Anthony Davis's team, which we're talking about all the time? When is Anthony Davis the best player on the Lakers? We don't know, because like with Chris Paul, LeBron is just a crazy anomaly. And Steph Curry might ride it out all the way with the Warriors. But we all kind of recognize, like, as great as Steph Curry's numbers are, the man's 32, 33, and Steph's game is going to age gracefully. Steph Curry is, like LeBron, is going to be one of these stone-cold mercenaries. The question is just whether or not he rides it out with Golden State or even goes to join the Lakers or join somewhere else in the next couple years. The question is just whether Steph wants to remain relevant or not, but his game is going to age so gracefully. It's like Chris Paul. Chris Paul was remaining relevant by being the old guy exiting his prime on those Houston Rockets teams that were just star-studded. And now he's kind of a weird anomaly where he's technically exiting his prime, but he's also exited his prime, but his prime's just lasting a long time and he's hanging on and making some awesome magic happen, even if the Suns might get bounced in the first or second round. But this is the weird transition phase and the Lakers-Warriors series best encapsulates this. Because the Lakers are the tweener team everyone's afraid of, but you can point to those two stars, the two faces of a generation, LeBron and Steph Curry, and the idea that three years removed from their last NBA Finals duel, and I, I never got to this point off the top, but there's never been a more symbolic ending to a generation before this transition period. I'm not saying like it's over, like they can't win championships. They're just the transition period has begun. The dominance of Kevin Durant drafted 2007. Westbrook 2008, Harden 2009, LeBron 2003, but obviously started 18, came of age much later. His prime is extended longer. Steph Curry 2009. All of these guys who dominated the sport for a dozen odd years. I'm sorry, not a dozen odd, a half dozen odd years. Now the transition period begun when Kevin Durant tore his Achilles and Clay Thompson tore his ACL, and Kawhi Leonard took the title from the old guard. Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, and Steph Curry are all old guard guys. Look at their primes. That was the beauty of the Warriors when they won in 2015 and won 73 games in 2016. They were the first team that got three superstars all entering their prime at the exact same time. And they dominated the sport for five years. And after five years, remember I said 27 to 32 is the average age of primes in the NBA. All of them exit their prime at the same time. Begin the transition for Clay Thompson. I mean, two, two torn ACLs will scream it loud. Draymond, not an all-star anymore. Second best player on a playoff team. But when Draymond's your second best player, you're the eighth seed in the Western Conference. The Warriors are slowly exiting and Steph Curry slowly exiting and LeBron James if his injury wasn't painfully clear this year and the fact that he's only going to be playing this playing game at like 75-80% slowly exiting his prime this is a transition period 
Anyone can win. Nobody's established themselves, but we've got about 50% old guard and 50% new guard of our championship teams. And I got to be honest, I got no idea what's going to happen. When it was the peak of Cavs Warriors and you knew who the five best players in the world were, you knew who was going to be in the finals and the conference finals every year. We don't know that anymore because it's a transition period. Could be Giannis. Could be Embiid. Could be LeBron and KD meeting in the finals once again, like we all thought it was when they first acquired James Harden. That it was going to be a revival of 2017 and 2018, but to be honest, 2017 and 2018 don't exist anymore. Because it's not like James Harden, who's also in his prime. Now James Harden's going to play with Kevin Durant because they got to go beat that boy Giannis. They got to go beat that boy Embiid. They got to go beat Nikola Jokic. They got to go beat Jimmy Butler. And Anthony Davis is part of that generation, but he happens to play with LeBron. It's a weird tweener thing that's always interesting. When the players who really matter to the league, the ten, the the seven to ten players who can be the best players on a championship team, there's usually about one in every draft class. One to two. If well, here's the thing: if there's ten players in a generation, and there's five years of a generation, there's about two in every draft class. That would be the average math. Two in every draft class form a generation. And now that new generation who's establishing themselves and has won the last three league MVPs, Giannis 2019, Giannis 2020, and Jokic to be 2021, those two are the faces of their generation. And Anthony Davis is right there. Anthony Davis is maybe your Kawhi Leonard. So if Giannis is your LeBron, and we can do this comparison style. If Giannis is your LeBron and Jokic is your Kevin Durant, then... AD's your Steph Curry, and Embiid's your James Harden, and who, who else you want to throw in that mix? Devin Booker, he can establish himself. Maybe as that, you know, what it was the last, who's the last one in there? Kawhi Leonard, I guess. And again, Kawhi's the weird tweener. But the point being, we're going to watch the old generation duke it out one last time as all of them exit their prime, one game, winner go home. And after this certainty, after we know for certain the Lakers and Warriors duke it out, we got no idea what's coming next. Not an idea, not a clue, not a, not a sniff of what's going to happen. We know who the five best teams are. Lakers, Clippers, Bucks, 76ers, Nets. Those are the five teams, the only five teams I think can win a championship. But of that list, you've got two new guard, two old guard, and one tweener as the five best players in the sport. It's not like it was in 2017, where if I asked you who are the five best players in the NBA right now, or in 2017, you'd say LeBron James, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kawhi Leonard. Apart from Kawhi, who's the tweener, all four of those are the same generation. Now you've got two new guard, two old guard. Well, no, you've got one old guard team of Brooklyn just assembling a mercenary of old style players. You've got the Lakers, who uh, have a young guy and an old guy. You've got a tweener in Kawhi Leonard, and you've got the two new guys, Giannis and Embiid. If you wanted to throw a sixth in there, I'll throw Jokic in out of respect for his game and out of respect for just how good the Nuggets are going to be and the fact that they drew the Blazers in the first round, and I'm pretty sure they can beat the Blazers in five or six games, even without Jamal Murray. 
The new guard's coming. Can they catch the old guard? We're all going to watch to find out. But on Wednesday, we can watch the old guard duke it out one last time, just like the olden days. Because I got to be honest, this could very well be the last guarantee that we get of those dueling matchups of the five players who really matter to a generation. LeBron and Steph, the two most recognizable faces and biggest names of their generation, battle it out one last time, and nothing after that is a given. We're not a get, we don't have anything else given to us of who can battle it out from that generation ever again. Well, that may have seemed a little dramatic because it is. And we're selling the holy hell out of this Lakers-Warriors series that's getting super hyped. But the rest is kind of a letdown after that. So let's talk a little bit about it. Washington is going to beat the Celtics. I'm guessing the early line on that is maybe double digits. Because the Celtics are hurting. They got Tatum. They got no Kemba Walker. No Jalen Brown, and it looks to be right now, maybe no Marcus Smart. So three of your four best players are gone. We've talked extensively on the podcast about what's gone wrong with the Boston Celtics and on the radio show and with our boy Daily Sports dosage. And what the Celtics can do from here is, you know, kind of like revamp, retool the roster, maybe trade one of those young players for a a proven veteran. Uh, Just change it up. Just change things up with the roster. If you're going to keep the coach, just shake things up a little bit around the edges of the roster. If you can find a big Kemba Walker trade, maybe to like the Clippers or something, then you go do that. But just just make some major roster, some may, make a lot of adjustments to the roster around the edges of your two under 25 year old star players. So Boston is probably going to lose this game, but this is the beauty of the winner go home games: is that Boston, Boston can get a 60-pointer out of Jason Tatum and actually have a chance to win that game. Now, I'm pretty certain. In fact, I would lock it in, doon, doon, the Wizards are going to win that game, money line, like take it and walk away. Against the spread, have to see what the number is. I would be most comfortable at about 7.5. If it's 7.5 or more, if the Celtics are getting 7.5 or more, take the Celtics. If not, take the Wizards. Um, if the wizards are getting like five, six, seven, take the wizards. If they're getting like eight, nine, 10, take the Celtics. I'd probably guess like wizards by seven is where I'd put the 50, 50 line. Not that I think it's going to be wizards by seven, but that's the 50, 50 line. The 50% chance wizards win by more than seven or more than was seven and a half. I said, yeah, seven. And so wizards win by more than eight, 50% chance the wizards lose or win by less than seven. So or less than eight, seven and a half, whatever. You guys know gambling numbers if you're listening to this. So I would say seven and a half is where I'd put it comfortably if I were betting Celtics Wizards without seeing any of the, the early money lines on that. Let's see what the Celtics Wizards game is. This would be poor podcast production if I weren't doing that. But of course, those numbers are going to start moving. Uh, but anyway, so I feel pretty confident in that one that the uh, the Boston Celtics are going to probably end up winning that game. I'm sorry, the Washington Wizards are going to end up winning that game. Um, and that would put them in the seventh seed in an epic battle against the Brooklyn Nets. 
Wow, the Boston Celtics are favored? Yo, what? Hold up. What is going on here? I need something else here. They cannot be favored at this point. Let's see, 14 hours. What is this? The lines have to shift. That's impossible. How is Boston so favored in this game? Oh, my Lord. Oh, my God. 78% of the money's on the Wizards. Okay, this changes the money a little bit. This changes the game up a bit because everyone's betting the Wizards. Public is heavy on the Wizards. Oh, my goodness. I think I'm going to ride with the public. But, man, they believe in in Jason Tatum. The the people in Vegas are seeing something. If 78% of the money's going on Washington and the amount of people betting this play-in game, they must be confident. 66% 66% chance BPI. Wow. No, I think Washington's going to kill the Celtics. I mean, not kill. I said seven points was the 50-50 line. Man, that is that is interesting. Wow, now I'm overcome with a little bit of shock on this one. Wow. I mean, I... Oof. I would take the Wizards. Wait, what is it? So Wizards are plus one? Yeah. Uh, but I mean, like I said, 78% of the betting is on the Wizards. So do, do it with do with caution, I would say. D- take do, do your due diligence on that one. Uh, but I'll take the Wizards, Dune Dune, lock it in at plus one. I mean, Jesus, you're giving me a point on the Wizards? Oh my goodness. Yeah, give me that all day. Give me Westbrook and Bradley Beal to take down Jason Tatum, even though Tatum is technically better than both of them. And it would be going against my own principle of saying that uh, the best player is always there. But also Davis Bertans is like the third best player on the Wizards and the Wizards kind of have a terrible supporting cast. So yeah, one bad game from Westbrook and one crazy game from Tatum, I guess, could go that way. But anyways, Boston's probably going to lose that and it sets up a Wizards and Nets series that we're not going to get to until we actually start talking about the playoffs a little bit more. But anyways, um, then we've got the Spurs and Grizzlies. And I just have been laughing at this. Wouldn't it be funny if the Spurs just end up like beating the Grizzlies? I mean, this was funnier also when it looked like the Grizzlies might beat the Warriors in that game on Sunday. I was just like, wouldn't it be funny if just you've got Lakers and uh, Warriors and the the Grizzlies get the seven seed and then the Spurs beat the the Warriors and the Lakers with just a whole bunch of like like strength in numbers, but none of the numbers are actually like that good because your best player is still technically Demar Derozan. And at the start of the season, I would have said you put Demar Derozan as the sixth man and let this new team take its course with Keldon Johnson and Derek White, who's been hurt for a lot of the season, and Dejounte Murray and um, who's the uh, Jakob Pertle down low, but I forgot who the fourth wing was. I always forget the fourth wing. They've got, oh, Lonnie Walker. Lonnie Walker, Keldon Johnson, Derek White, and DeJounte Murray working around the perimeter. And then, of course, you got Jakob Pertle down low. But now it's DeMar DeRozan in the ball-centric game because uh, Derek White's been hurt for a lot of the season. So DeMar DeRozan has been their best player. Um, if you like the title of this episode, it was kind of based on that, where it's like it's the GOAT, LeBron, the GOAT, Steph Curry, the GOAT, Greg Popovich, and Ja Morant. That's your that's your play-in in the West. GOAT versus GOAT versus GOAT versus Ja Morant. Um, that's the fun thing in the West. Don't got to worry about that one until the next day. Um, that one, I think, is more of a toss-up, to be honest. I would I would put a toss-up there on the, the Spurs and Grizzlies game. But uh, in terms of the X's and O's, and again, a lot of it's talking out of my ass when it comes to basketball. 
basketball. But the X's and O's breakdown, I would definitely say San Antonio definitely is like the ball centric DeRozan game. So they're going to, the, the Memphis would definitely stick Dylan Brooks on DeRozan for most of the game. And I learned the other day, Dylan Brooks, I knew Dylan Brooks was always a good defender, but watching him defend Steph Curry for a while and seeing Curry throw up like 22 threes and shoot, I think he was like five for 16 until Brooks fouled out of the game and then went four for six to close out the game. So Dylan Brooks is definitely the best defender for the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, Valanchunas, they're still like way, they are working that Valanchunas, uh, that trade with Marcus Gasol because Valanchunas has been a godsend for them. Obviously, Marcus Gasol helped the, the Raptors win that championship, but I think they kind of they regret not having Valanchunas anymore, um, on their team. DeLon Wright, they probably don't miss him that much, but the straight trade of Marcus Gasol for Valanchunas, I think Toronto's starting to feel that one a little bit. You get a championship, so you're happy with it, but. He's been an awesome second best player and sorry to Jaron Jackson. You played like, I think three games the entire season and just got back on the court for the, the Warriors game. So I have a lot of questions about how healthy you are right now, but I think he literally played three games. Like he did not play the entire season and Memphis still got the nine seed because John Morant and Valanchunas are awesome. One, two punch Dylan Brooks just sits out there and shoots threes. Uh, the first black Kyle Anderson is also pretty cool. I'm pretty sure he's biracial, but um, the fact that a guy named Kyle Anderson is not white is a shocker. As a fellow Kyle, I just have to say, and a fellow white guy, uh, it's just shocking that Kyle Anderson is a black guy. But um, first black Kyle Anderson's pretty good. He still gives them some pretty good minutes. Um, is Grayson Allen still there? Is that all I can do on Grizzly? Well, I know they got Brandon Clark. Brandon Clark was uh, preseason Hall of Famer back when we had preseasons and, and summer leagues. We did preseason Hall of Famers on comical sports memes, but the pandemic has kind of neutered that. And we did it one year uh, when we were first starting on the podcast, that first weird summer that I wish the tapes could be burned on. Um, you can go back and download those. I don't care. It's free downloads for me if you want to scroll down and find some of those July and August 2019 podcasts that were just straight garbage. Um, they're still technically there. If you want to go find them, please do download them and leave those five star ratings as well. Just download podcasts right now. You see those little, like if you're on Apple podcasts, you see those little clouds on the side, just download, click, 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 download as many episodes as you can. Keep scrolling down, find more episodes, download them. Downloads count as a play. Uh, again, shameless plug. I'm very good at those now. Anyways, uh, Spurs and Grizzlies. Uh, yeah, it was naming Memphis Grizzlies, so I'm pretty glad. I think they have Tyus Jones now, so that's another fun one. Uh, when you start naming Memphis Grizzlies, it's time to move on. Um, Spurs side, like I said, they, they've got that, those four perimeter guys who can all catch and shoot, but DeRozan's more of a ball-dominant guy defensively. It's just a plus to not have LaMarcus Aldridge. That's what I can give you defensively for the Spurs. I have no idea whether Popovich is a great defensive team or a bad defensive team this year. Let's actually figure that out. Let's get back into the basketball thing. San Antonio Spurs defense. Uh, ooh, stifling defense. Actually, I should probably do just 2021 NBA defensive rankings. I should probably edit this out of the podcast, but that would also be more work. Uh, well, I know the Knicks were number one for most of the season. One in points allowed. Um, let's see. San Antonio, 19th in points allowed. Not great on the rebounding game. What is San Antonio great at? Uh, they are pretty good at blocks. So they're a pretty average defensive team, if not below average. Uh, 
looks like they're just below the Cavaliers on this. Oh yeah, they're not a very good defensive team. Uh, at least points allowed. They, I mean, points allowed is not necessarily like the the end all be all, but yeah, they they're not really great at anything. They they're pretty average at most things to bad at defensive rebounds and bad yeah they're not a good defensive team yeah i'm not gonna even i'm not gonna try and sugarcoat this terrible rebounding which is what's gonna happen when you have four guys on the perimeter and just Jakob purtle is your only big um and just put a bunch of duncan robinsons out there that's kind of what's gonna happen to your offensive rebounding which or, and defensive rebounding so that's you know not the worst thing in the world not great defensively for the spurs maybe john morant picks apart them because no one can really stick on john morant but they can stick dylan brooks on uh on DeMar DeRozan. So I think I might be talking myself into the Memphis Grizzlies here. And this is the Grizzlies second run with this current iteration and well the Spurs technically made the 7 seed in DeRozan's first year and went 7 games with the Nuggets, but this is a very different team than that team. So I think I'm talking myself into the Grizzlies. I'll take Memphis in that playing game. Uh I'll say two and a half points. If it's two and a half points or less, I will doon doon lock in the Memphis Grizzlies. This is fun, right? When it's not a series and it's just individual games, you can actually do gambling odds and stuff on it. Um, see what the odds are on this one. Uh, looks like the early lines are Memphis minus four. Okay, so... Let's see. I guess I'm getting points on the Spurs. I said two and a half, so I guess I just wouldn't play this game. I'll take Memphis at the minus 166 money line at FanDuel. Uh, we're not sponsored by them. Just wanted to throw out. Um, we could also ask what our boys over at Larry's Locks are. Uh, shout out to them. They're a partner with us. Um, and don't watch Pacers Hornets. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping into the Take It Easy podcast. We got episodes every single day, Monday through Friday, as well as Wired Up on Sundays. Drop in some fun ideas if you got more fun activities and fun games we can play here on Take It Easy podcast. We had that fun Drew Lock rap video that I should probably burn the tape on as well, but you can find that from Friday. Also, check out our Zach Wilson, Justin Herbert Disney movie that has... I believe 10 acts and 25 characters in it. You can find that as well. Check out Walter Mitchell, our buddy Blake Jude, Daily Sports Dosage. Gage Bridgeford was on recently. Sabrina Merchant was on on Friday, so download all that stuff. Keep supporting all the fun people who make this podcast what it is. So with that being said, since this is one of the rare podcasts where I was talking the whole time, take it easy.